0: Um, Go ahead and find Matthew chapter 5. We are almost to the halfway point in learning uh, about the Beatitudes, and I hope that you are learning as we're going through this study together. I hope that you're also um, recognizing the reality of these outside of here, that as we study them and, and come to understand in our minds together what Jesus is talking about, that when you leave here, your eyes are beginning to be open to the reality of how that plays out in your life. Maybe you're seeing opportunities um, to exercise and, and, and to let these characteristics of the kingdom be, be lived out in you. And I, I know that that's definitely something that, that I'm learning and that the Holy Spirit's teaching me about, but I'm becoming more and more aware just through my study and as we're preaching through these every week. Of I'm being made aware of just how desperately I need the leadership of the Holy Spirit in my life. Um, Amen. Because none of these things are possible outside of his presence in our life and outside of his power enabling us to live these principles out because they are very upside down according to what our flesh is programmed to do, according to what the world trains us and pushes us toward, and so um, I hope that you're understanding those things too, that these things can't be accomplished in the flesh at all, that it's, it's through the power and the leading of the Holy Spirit and our obeying and listening and being sensitive to that is how we see these things lived out in our life. And so um, let's go back to Matthew 5 and begin again with verse 1 and we're going to go through verse 6 this morning as we look at our next Beatitude. Matthew chapter 5, again, beginning with verse 1. When he saw the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Then he began to teach them, saying, blessed are the poor in spirit, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the humble, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. So this week we come to verse 6. And verse 6 is another example, I think, of how we can misread the Bible as 21st century Americans. We have to always be careful when we read the Bible to, to put it in the proper context. Um, let me just ask you a question. Who's hungry right now as we're sitting in this room? Okay. Oh, some of y'all's hands went up quick. <laughs> yeah, it's you're like, it's morning, it's early. We didn't get up and cook breakfast before we came. I haven't even had a biscuit. I barely, I, 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 right before we started, I had about half a cup of coffee that I had brought from home that I was drinking as we were getting ready. And I literally went behind the door right before we started and just chugged the rest of that cup of coffee because I did not want to waste it. And, and some of us may be like, that's, that's the closest, yeah, I'm hungry. I would love something to eat. And th- that's what motivates us to eat or drink. We live in a culture and society where most of us, when we're hungry, we can go to the pantry and get something to eat. When we're thirsty, we can go to the fridge and get something to drink. Um, sometimes even we, are, are you the type of person, um, and I've caught myself doing this sometimes, that we eat to keep from being hungry? Yeah, you ever done that? You ever said, well, I don't, I'm not really hungry, but I'm gonna eat something so that I don't get hungry, right, <laughs> and uh, or uh, Kim and I always have this thing, if we're ever going to the grocery store, we always say we gotta eat before we go to the grocery store. Because going to the grocery store hungry can, can be a hit to your wallet because you want to buy everything because you're, you're hungry. You want to you eat, and you're thinking about eating. And when we read a verse like this, sometimes we can read it and we can think about those kind of realities in our life. We can think about what it's like for us to be hungry. Um, but most of the hunger that we experience comes from either busyness or just inconvenience, right? The course of our day is crazy. Maybe we work through lunch and we come home in the evenings and we're really hungry. It's not that we didn't have the opportunity to eat, we just didn't take the opportunity. Um, So that that would probably categorize most of us in this room. But we also know that we live in a community right here in Lindale where there are people who experience hunger for different reasons than we do, and that's why we have ministries like our food pantry and our clothes closet and those community ministries because there are people in our community who experience hunger out of need out of a, out of a need because they don't they're not able to have uh, what they what they need uh, to not be hungry, um, especially kids in our community. this is something that 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 if you work in our public schools you're very aware of the reality of that in many kids lives but we have to put ourselves on this mountainside with the group of people that Jesus is talking to to really understand what he's talking about and the hunger that Jesus is talking about is very similar to that poor in spirit that he began the beatitudes with you remember I said that all these beatitudes are kind of wrapped up in each other they all kind of overlap and and Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, when Jesus is talking about hunger, he's talking about the hunger of the impoverished, the hunger of the poorest of poor, the hunger of the ones who are trying to survive, hunger of ones who are trying to live. It's a desperate hunger for the sake of survival. And that's not really a kind of hunger that most of us will ever experience or be able to identify with. Because we are very blessed in that way, but this word for hunger and thirst that Jesus talks about um, implies suffering. It implies a kind of hunger and thirst that 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 brings a craving that's so strong and so desperate that it would actually cause someone physical pain. So you think about the time in your life when maybe you would have been the hungriest. Or the thirstiest that you've ever been and maybe just multiply that we're talking about the kind of hunger that we see on television that that we don't experience like this is this is the kind of hunger that Jesus is talking about the same words these same words that Jesus uses in verse 6 I found it interesting that The Bible also uses this same word for hunger to describe the kind of hunger that Jesus experienced when he was in the wilderness. Those 40 days after his baptism. When he was spending time alone with God. That same word that Jesus uses here is the same word that describes the kind of hunger that he went through as he fasted there in the desert. I also think about the kind of hunger that this is the kind of hunger that probably the prodigal would have experienced when we see him in the pen with the pigs. And it says that he longed to be filled with the pods that the pigs were eating. This is probably, most of us have probably never been in a situation where we've been that hungry. But mind you, this is the kind of hunger that Jesus is talking about. So again, what he's doing is he's taking a principle of the physical life, that the, that the people would have been familiar with on some level, and applying it to the spiritual life, and so we're acquainted with physical hunger enough to understand what that means. But Jesus isn't talking about physical hunger; he's talking about spiritual hunger. So, so what does that mean? I think of Psalm 42. The first two verses of that psalm says, "As a deer." Longs for flowing streams, so I long for you, God. I thirst for God, the living God. when can I come and appear before god this is This is sort of the sentiment that I think Jesus is talking about a a, a desperate longing here 's a I, I try to come up with a good sort of one line working definition for what these these different characteristics are that Jesus is talking about. And so here's, here's the one I have for you for hunger and thirst. To hunger and thirst for righteousness is to want and pursue Jesus more than anything else. I want you to think about that desperate physical hunger that maybe you've never experienced before, but you can imagine because you're somewhat acquainted with what physical hunger means. And then apply it to your pursuit of Jesus. Apply it to your pursuit of God and think, have I ever been as spiritually hungry as I have ever been physically hungry? Have I ever desired to be with God, to draw closer to God, to to know him as much as I've wanted food before? Um, we've said that all of these Beatitudes <clears throat> are connected and I want to show you, I've, I've kind of got a slide where I want to show you sort of a progression. You remember that Jesus says that, that he's describing the kingdom and he's describing, so basically saying, this is the path of, of the ones who are happy, the righteous ones, the ones who, who are a part of my kingdom. And I want you to see how these four kind of show us a progression, and and those of us who are believers, who have trusted in Christ, you should be able to identify with these to a point where you can see how they kind of build on one another, like we said at the beginning. So when Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit, that leads us to conviction. The poor in spirit realize again, like we said before, they're empty-handed before God. To be poor in spirit means that I come before God under conviction understanding that I've sinned against him and then the poor in spirit as a as a result of the conviction that we feel we experience mourning blessed are those who mourn and so we said that Jesus is specifically talking about mourning over our sin and so that leads us from conviction of our sin to repentance because you can't really repent of your sin until you grieve over it, right? You can't really turn away from your sin until you you realize your need for forgiveness. We realize that we've offended God and we want to be made right. We want to be forgiven. And the truth and the promise of God's word is when we come to a, a spirit and a posture of repentance and we come to God with that posture, he always responds positive. He always forgives. He always takes us. When we come to him in that spirit, poor in spirit, mourning over our sin, confessing our sin to God, he is always going to respond with a positive. And then once he does that and we experience forgiveness, then we move on to meekness. He says, blessed are those who are meek. And once we repent and God saves us, then we become even more aware of how much we need him on a regular basis our childlike faith begins to develop you remember we said that meekness was trusting the goodness of god and the authority of god and you can't really do that until he's changed your heart until you've given your life to him and he's made you new then then you're able and you have the ability and the power to submit to his authority and to trust his goodness and depend on him for everything and now from meekness, as we, as we develop this childlike trust in God's goodness, and God's authority in our life, then he says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst. And I think that describes devotion. That is the heart that says, I'm striving to follow God. I've, I've sinned against God. I've repented and asked God for forgiveness. Now I'm living in my awareness of how much I need him And as I'm more aware of how much I need him, I want to follow him. I want to to grow. I want to move forward. And I think that's what that hunger and thirst is about, that striving to follow God. I want to know him more, experience him more. And I want to be more obedient to who he is and what he's called me to do. There's also in thinking about those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, Jesus says. There's there's almost a twofold, two sides of the coin, as if, so to say, for, for this hunger and thirst for righteousness. First, there's the unbeliever's desire for salvation. I believe that we first experience this hunger and thirst for righteousness way back at the beginning, maybe even because it's kind of wrapped up in mourning. This hunger and thirst for righteousness starts with the desire as sinners to be made right before God when we believe the gospel and there's a desire do you remember what that was like before you gave your life to Christ you understood that the only way you could be made right before God was not by all your works not by all your morality or your good deeds but it was only through Jesus and you had a desire to be made right and there was a hunger for that I think that's where this hunger and thirst for righteousness begins. It, it, it can begin in the heart of a sinner whose heart is turning toward God. And Jesus says, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness will be filled. So like I said before, whenever we come to God in repentance, he always answers. And that righteousness is given to us, but then the, the hunger and thirst doesn't stop. It continues as the unbeliever has a desire for salvation, I'm going to use some church words here, the believer develops a hunger and thirst for sanctification. And if, you've, if you don't really know what that big long word means, sanctification is just that process that we begin once we are saved in becoming more like Jesus. Sanctification is something that's going to happen from the moment Christ comes into your life, until you until you're in glory, it doesn't stop. Well, you'll never get to a point in this physical life where you are completely sanctified, okay? Where you are completely um, made in the image of Jesus and everything is as it should be. We're constantly moving toward that. So that hunger and thirst that we experience for righteousness when we were saved doesn't doesn't go away. It sticks around. But it changes. And instead of my desire to say, God, I can't be made right before you. I need you to save me so that I can be right. Now, my hunger and thirst becomes, I want my life to exhibit the righteousness that you've already given me. Does that make sense? I I want my life to begin to, I, I wanna grow. I wanna know you more. I wanna know your word. I wanna be obedient. I want my life to match what you have said is true about me, that I'm not a, a sinner separated from you anymore, but I'm your son. So I want my life to look that way. And that, that's the hunger and thirst also. We want to see, we, want, we, we develop a hunger to do what's right. But then in the believer, there's also a hunger to see right done in the world. Just, just the way we, we grieve over the, the, the existence of sin in our life and, and sin in the world, we also desire to see righteousness come, not just in our life. We want righteousness to develop in us, but we also want to see righteousness happen in the world. We want to see justice happen in the world. And so there's a, there's a hunger for that as well. Total discipleship and obedience to God becomes the only food that can fill us and the only water that can quench us. That's what Jesus is talking about. Blessed are the ones who can only be satisfied by me. Everything else is empty. Everything else is secondary. And when they look at all of the options that the world presents to them. Their taste for those things and their desire for those things goes away. And those things aren't as attractive anymore but when we think about what we really are hungry for or what we're really thirsty for, it's always Jesus. Jesus says those, that's the characteristic of those who are in the kingdom, the ones who hunger and thirst." For righteousness I think I think that when you say well how does that play out in my life I think it it plays out in one that we should have a hunger and thirst for for God's word I I I struggle and I and and I it 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 bugs me to see people who say they're Christians but have no desire to know what God's word says have no desire to read it, have no desire to study it because that this is how we know God. This is our greatest source of how we know God. So if, if I don't want to know his word, if I have no desire to read his word or know what his word means or study it, then I don't really have very much desire for God. Like to hunger to read it, to know it, there's some of us, you know what it's talking about. If you go one or two days without reading your Bible, you're like, uh, uh, I, don't, I don't know what to do. Like everything is kind of messed up. And you, and you feel that. And that hunger develops. It's just like if you go a couple of days without eating. Your body is going to tell you, hey, you're missing something. The same's true in our spiritual walk. If, if we're depriving ourselves of God's word, our spirit will let us know. The Holy Spirit will say, Hey, you're, we'll begin to feel a spiritual hunger because we're not feasting on the spiritual bread of God's Word. I think that we'll be hungry to read Scripture. I think that we're also hungry and thirsty to be with God's church. I think those who hunger and thirst for righteousness want to be together with God's people, don't you? I mean, you guys are here, so I'm preaching to the choir, I guess. But you want to be here, and part of the reason that you want to be here, I hope, I hope the main reason is because you want to grow. You are hungry and thirsty for Jesus, and you know that this is a place that you can, that, that hunger can be filled spiritually because you want to know God's word. You want to understand it, and so you're coming to, to have that thirst and that hunger filled you want to be together with God's people and those who hunger and thirst desire to see sin removed from our lives we hunger and thirst to see as we as we grow in in our knowledge of God's word as we grow in our relationship with God we also we hunger and thirst for righteousness, which means I want my life to exhibit righteousness as much as possible. And those those sins in my life, I want to see those removed. And I know I don't have the power to do that completely on my own, but I but I do have the power to do that through the Holy Spirit. To purge sin from my life. And so I know that that, that the time that I spend that hunger and thirst. For God is also paired with a desire to be hungry and thirsty, to let righteousness be seen in my life. Not not for my glory, because I understand what's been done for me. It's all for for him. To desire these things is like, um, and, and, and to desire these things, like Jesus is saying in this verse, to desire those like a thirsty man that's in the middle of a desert with no water to drink. Is that, have, do we know what that kind of desire is like? Again, in Psalm 63, David writes and says in verse 1, he begins the psalm with this God, you are my God. I eagerly seek you, I thirst for you. My body faints for you in a land that is dry, desolate, and without water. Do we not live in a dry and desolate land? Think about the spiritual nature of the world that we live in. Folks, if, 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 when, when we are not feasting on the bread of life and the living water that Jesus says he is, and we're trying to get what we need spiritually from the world, it's like we're trying to drink sand. And there are people doing that. There are people doing that everywhere. There are people sitting in churches right now today that will sit in churches who are drinking the sand of the world. They're trying to meet that spiritual need in their life with something that's not real because this world is dry and desolate and we will never, Jesus is speaking to a culture of people who are looking for righteousness in all of these other places and they're seeing, it's like, it's like a thirsty man who's seeing a mirage. Maybe the best way to understand this is, is to contrast spiritual hunger and thirst with the way you and I have a tendency to meet our physical hunger and thirst. And so um, I've approached this one a little different, and I hope that, that this will help you kind of evaluate for yourself. It kind of helped me to say, what does, what does a righteous hunger and thirst spiritually look like? Because I'm very well acquainted with what it means to be physically hungry and thirsty. And you are too. Some of us may be more than others. And some of us maybe go to greater lengths to avoid that hunger and thirst than others. uh, Me included. But I want us to think about, I think, because Jesus is trying to use this food and drink connection with this crowd to teach them a principle And I think that would be beneficial for us too. And so in thinking about what does righteous hunger and thirst look like and how is it different from the way we tend to to hunger and thirst for food, I want to give you what I think are three characteristics of of right hunger and thirst for God, of, of righteous right hunger and thirst. All right, so here's number one. There's three things, note takers, this is your... This is your moment. Number one, with righteous hunger and thirst, there are never any leftovers. Never any leftovers. The hungry are never satisfied in their pursuit of God. They always want and have room for more. When do you have leftovers? We have leftovers in our refrigerator right now. When you cook too much, And then you don't want any more. You're done eating. And so you pack up the leftovers and you say, I don't want to eat those now. I'm going to put that away and maybe later on I'll have that. I think the ones who hunger and thirst for righteousness never get to a point where they say, whoa, I've had enough. They never get to a point where they're like, no, I'm good. I don't need any more. You know, it's like when you go to grandma's house and she's feeding you dinner and she keeps wanting to put more food on your plate, and you're like, no, granny, I promise I've got enough. No, baby, you need some more. Just, just putting more down. And you're like, no, please, I've I've had enough. There's never any leftovers when it comes to spiritual hunger and thirst. And you may say, you may think, well, well, wait a minute, Eric, that that seems a little contradictory because didn't Jesus just say, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst? for they will be filled. And so that kind of makes it sound like, oh, we'll we'll be filled, we'll be satisfied. So you said that blessed are the ones who are satisfied, but now you say that blessed are those who hunger and thirst and they're never satisfied. Here's what I think is the difference. What Jesus does always satisfies. Okay, the salvation that he brings, what he accomplishes in my life always satisfies. It's the understand, my understanding and embracing of what Jesus has done that I'm never satisfied with. It's my ability to be able to wrap my mind and my heart around everything that he's done that fully satisfies. He says, the ones who eat my bread will never be hungry again. Those who will never be thirsty again. He's talking about a, a need, it, like it's not that what Jesus has done has fallen short, it's what I do that's fallen short. Does that make sense? I'm always, I'm always trying to understand it and, and grasp it and hold on to it more so much that I'm always, I'm never going to arrive. And that's the kind of dissatisfaction that I think um, that, that those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, but there is a feeling that will come. It will just come later. Salvation satisfies our need for a relationship with God But yet we continue to hunger for God because the more we grow, the more we want to grow, right? The more you grow in your relationship with God, the more you want to grow. And we will hunger and thirst for God until we're made complete. And that won't be until we get to glory, until we're in eternity when we're actually completely sanctified and made complete. But until then, there should be a constant hunger and thirst to, to, to strive for that, to reach for that. It's like, it's like we have an appetite for something that we've tasted. And it's so good that we never want to turn it down. You have certain foods that every time somebody puts it in front of you, you're going to eat it. Because it's that good. Like, that's how we should feel about our relationship with Jesus and the spiritual learning and knowledge that we get. And so, so one, there's never any leftovers. Number two, there are no special orders when it comes to those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. They don't make special orders. The hungry receive God's righteousness with no conditions. And they seek and accept it however God serves it. Um, I, I warn my boys already and I ask their permission. Sometimes, I don't always do that. But sometimes when I, when I make connections with things at home and I'm like, ooh, I'm gonna tell these stories, I have to warn them um, so that they don't get mad at me. But do you know those people who every time they eat somewhere, they always have to modify the menu? They always have to change something. And you may be these people, so I don't want to offend you, but there's always somebody in the group that can't just order it the way it comes. They always want to change something. Well, you know, can I get can I get this? Can I substitute? I see it comes with this, but I want to substitute. I don't want that. I want to substitute this for this. Or I'm going to get this, but I want this on the side. Like maybe there's salad. Yeah, I want... Yeah, do you want um this? Yeah, but I want that on the side. I want a baked potato, but I want these toppings, but I want them on the side. And it's that person that takes like 5 minutes to order their food because they're modifying everything and you know, and kind of everybody at the table is is sort of silently rolling their eyes going, "Ugh." Oh. We're never going to get our food because it's taking it forever to to do that. Um, probably, if I were honest, Ben is the one in our family that when we go to eat and see, they're sh- shaking their heads. Um, ben is the one who's going to be um, the one to modify the menu so much. But don't we do this with God sometimes? Don't people do this with the righteousness of God? God, I want heaven, but can I get that? can I get eternity without the sacrifice? Or, God, I want your blessings on my life and your blessings on my family. And can I get that, the commitment, can I get that on the side? I want the blessings and benefits. I want that main dish. But can I get the commitment on the side because I may not want to put as much on it as you would put on it. Then I can just kind of sprinkle the commitment on as much as I want, instead of it just being poured all over it. The ones who hunger and thirst for righteousness are the ones who take it however God serves it. They don't try to modify the menu. Well, God, I want this, but can you change this or 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 make this part different or make this part easier? The ones who hunger and thirst for righteousness just say, I, I just want, I just want you, Jesus, however you come however you want it to be. I don't have conditions. Because when you're hungry enough and you're thirsty enough, you'll take it how it comes. And they trust him. The hungry and the thirsty trust him so they don't have to modify the righteousness that he gives them. Jesus I want it however you want to serve it to me and then here's a third one with righteous hunger and thirst there are no side dishes the hungry don't seek Christ plus something else they desire Jesus alone because he's the only one who satisfies um I also make fun of my boys. This is more of an issue. This happens when we go to a restaurant, but especially if we're eating fast food, if we're doing this thing where we're, we're just picking up something from McDonald's or Taco Bell or whatever. You know, these fast food restaurants have conveniently packaged meals together, right? They, they give you a main thing and they give you a side like fries and a drink. Uh, but my boys are to the point where they can't just order a meal the way it comes. Also, they want to add to it. It's not that they want to modify it, but they want something different. And uh, this, one, this one's Tyler's. Tyler, can't, we, can't, we can't go anywhere and, and just say, oh, well, tell me which meal you want. And they'll say, well, I want this meal, meal but like, like we may want a Big Mac meal, but we need an extra McDouble to go with it. Or, or we need, we're going to Taco Bell, we're going to get a, a $6 cravings box that comes with four things, order me that and an extra beef burrito. You know, or whatever. And, and what's funny about my house is, is, y'all that are familiar with Venmo, now that my boys, my older ones have their own money, when they want something extra like that, they'll say, well, I'll Venmo you. And my phone will get a notification. They've ordered a meal. They've ordered like two or three extra things. And then I get a, a, a notification for like $3 on my phone. It's like, oh, they Venmoed me $3, so that makes it okay. Uh, the righteous don't come to Jesus and say, I want Jesus and wealth. I want Jesus and popularity. I want Jesus and fame. The hungry and thirsty only want Jesus. They only want him. There's no no side dishes. There is one thing that satisfies. There's one thing that they're hungry for. And when they look at all of those other options, they say, I don't even want those. I don't have a desire for those or a taste for those or a hunger to want those things because there's nothing that compares to how much I want and crave and desire and am hungry for Jesus. That's it. Jesus is the only thing that satisfies that spiritual hunger and thirst, and everything else is empty. So do we really hunger and thirst for Jesus this way? Sometimes maybe we do. Maybe other times we don't. I think that's a good thing to evaluate with this beatitude. And there's a promise with the beatitude with everyone, right? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Why? Because they will be filled. The word filled in this verse is the same word that describes in this culture would have described a cattle who would have been fattened. You know, in the prodigal son story, the father said, "Go, go get the fattened calf." When Jesus says they will be filled, it's the same word that a farmer would use to describe the animal that's been fattened, that's ready to be um, butchered and eaten. The people, when Jesus said they will be filled, they would have pictured an animal that had been led to the largest, fullest, greenest pasture to feed until they were completely full and completely satisfied. When we come as sinners seeking righteousness that only Jesus gives, God gives it. And he doesn't just give it in, in, little, in little bits. He, he, he extravagantly provides for those who are hungry and thirsty. He does what 2 Corinthians 5.21, I quote all the time, one of my favorite verses. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that through him we might become what? The righteousness of God. That we might become that. That's how extravagantly he has provided for that. I want us to wrap up with looking at, at some verses, things that Jesus said about how He fills those. John chapter six, verse 35, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Jesus told them, no one who comes to me will ever be hungry and no one who believes in me will ever be thirsty again. It's that abundant green field. They will be filled. John chapter 4, verses 13 and 14, he says a similar thing. Everyone who drinks from this water will get thirsty again. He's talking to the woman at the well. But whoever drinks the water that I will give him will never get thirsty again. In fact, the water I will give him will become a well of water springing up in him for eternal life. There's such an abundance that it not only fills us, but then it comes out of us. It overflows. It becomes a spring in our life. Romans chapter five, verse 19 says, for just as through one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, talking about Adam. So also through the one man's obedience, meaning Jesus, the many have been what? Made righteous. Jesus says, the ones who come to me Seeking the righteousness that only I can give them. I will give it. I will accomplish it. I will give them that. And then as we grow, we seek that righteousness as sinners when we come to him. And Jesus says, the ones who come, I will give that righteousness to. And I won't just give them a little piece of it. And then, and then as we continue to grow... And we continue to hunger and thirst to know and understand and live out that righteousness more and more. He, he provides it. He meets that need. And that's how we grow. And we grow and grow and grow until finally we're made complete in our righteousness when we're delivered from this body of death. Finally and we live in eternity forever. so he says it's it's conditional it's it, it's there is a time element to this beatitude he says those who hunger and thirst will be filled but we won't be filled until we until we hunger and thirst for it until we realize our need for it but then after that what an abundance of provision he gives he gives it to us in salvation he gives he 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 feeds our hunger and thirst in sanctification and then finally, when we're in glory, he'll, he'll do it completely in glorification <laughs> when everything is made new. You looking forward to that?